You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Let's open our scriptures and head to Joshua 18 this morning. Joshua 18. And we can begin with a picture. We've got a picture that looks a little bit familiar to Keegan's, but it's from a brother, Lincoln. So thank you, Lincoln. And we were talking again about Jesus delivering us from that domain of darkness into the kingdom of light and this inheritance that we have um, in the Lord, that we've been delivered out of darkness. And so praise the Lord for that. So Lincoln, thank you for that. Kids, as you listen in, as we go through the sermon today, you're going to hear some things, so maybe don't start, well, draw. Feel free to draw, adults too. But as we go through, you're going to hear some other illustrations. You might say, hey, I got a drawing for that. I can do that. So, so save a little room on your paper, but I'd love to have you guys turn those in to me. Let's look at our text. Now, we're going to be looking at probably the largest chunk of Scripture I've ever preached on. Uh, and we'll probably be out at 2, 2.30, something like that, just so you're ready. So, um, no, no, we're going we're gonna to read it all, so prepare for that. But we're going to be in Joshua 18 through chapter 19. We're going to cover two chapters today. And, um, but I'm just going to start. We're going to be in Joshua 18 here, verses 1 through 10. I do want to read that to begin us. And then we'll look at the rest as we go here. So... God's word this morning. We get to study this and hear from him. So let's, let's listen with our ears and our minds to his word. Joshua 18, starting in verse 1. Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land lay subdued before them. There remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, How long will you put off going in to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Provide three men from each tribe, and I will send them out that they may set out and go up and down the land. They shall write a description of it with a view to their inheritances, and then come to me. They shall divide it into seven portions. Judah shall continue in his territory on the south, And the house of Joseph shall continue in their territory on the north. And you shall describe the land in seven divisions and bring the description here to me. And I will cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. The Levites have no portion among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their heritage. And Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan eastward, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave them. So the men arose and went, and Joshua charged those who went to write the description of the land, saying, Go up and down in the land and write a description and return to me, and I will cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went and passed up and down in the land and wrote in a book a description of it by towns in seven divisions. Then they came to Joshua to the camp at Shiloh. And Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua apportioned the land to the people of Israel to each his portion. Let me pray for us. Again, Lord, we are here 
to study your word, to hear from all of what you have said. All 66 books are worth our time and study and effort to say, Lord, what do you say? You have graciously revealed yourself through your word and ultimately through the word, Jesus Christ, as we learned about this morning in Sunday school. Thank you for this revelation before us. May we cherish what we have. And Lord, out of this passage, may you spur us on to see you maybe in a refreshed way. Maybe we've known truths, these truths before, but we need refreshing. We need remembrance for we forget easily. So thank you for this time and may your spirit work in our hearts as we look into your word here today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm really looking forward, and we're not going to go however many hours, hopefully, but just the next 30, 40 minutes we have together to explore God's Word and be encouraged today. I want you to be encouraged by God's Word. Hope you're encouraged. Built up in your faith really to grasp what's the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of what it means to have an inheritance in Christ, to have Christ Jesus our Lord, a lasting inheritance. And Lord willing, Joshua 18 and 19 are going to take us there. Uh, They're going to help us, hopefully to lead us to thoughts of this inheritance. Um, In the beginning, these verses, dealing with these seven remaining tribes of Israel, they seem to be content, uh, you know, without this greater inheritance. They seem content to live in tents in the camp when a whole good and beautiful inheritance lay before them. It was already theirs. So I want to pause before we look into the text and just say this. What we're going to be talking about today, we're talking about inheritances. We've been talking about that. It's not an unfamiliar word. And we're going to be talking about what we have in Christ. But that's only true and applicable for those who are in Christ. So if you, though a sinner facing the righteous judgment of God, if you've seen the ugliness of your sin and you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, to forgive you, to give you eternal life, take heart at these words. If you are in Christ, be encouraged in these words that we're going to look at today. But if you've not given your life to Christ, if you're, if you're okay to have one foot in sin, I'm okay with that, and a foot in Christ, a little bit here, I, I can't offer you that same encouragement other than the encouragement to turn, bring all of your sin Bring all of your guilt to the cross. Look to Jesus by faith and inherit, receive salvation. I want to encourage you that way. That being said, we're going to go forward and let's relook a little bit at these first 10 verses of the chapter on our way to the rest of this passage. Verse 1 tells us, we see in there, we've now moved from Gilgal, and I'm thinking the Gilgal near Jericho, we've moved to Shiloh. Look at verse 1 in Joshua again. Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land lay subdued before them. Here I think we, we can see the elementary foundations of what we as a church practice today. It's that idea of gathering together as a people, meeting the Lord together. You see it even there in the ESV, the congregation assembled. 
as we assemble. There's, there's something in this gathering of the community of believers that's different than just each of us living our lives in our own home. There's something different about this. 1 Corinthians 12 calls all believers, calls us the body of Christ. So question, do you, do you, so bring it to our time, do you want to be close to Christ? Do you want to see him more? Then, then you've done the right thing. You're here. You're part. You're here in this place, although we, we know we're not in a place per se. It's us gathered in this place, the church. And you've come to gather with fellow believers. Hopefully we have time. We'll look at that a little bit more. But we also find the people at this place, the people of Israel, at Shiloh. Shiloh. We're not told the how and when. Why did they move? Now, you know, I thought we were in Gilgal. Now we're in Shiloh. All of a sudden, we're just here. And we learn from other scripture that this was quite a significant place. It was really the central place of worship till everything moved from Shiloh to Jerusalem. We think of Jerusalem as kind of that headquarters, and it was in David's time and, and beyond. But here at this moment, Shiloh is that place. The tent of meeting is there. I'm thinking the tabernacle, kind of similar wording there. That's where it's erected. Remember God's purpose for that tabernacle? His purpose was that he might dwell among his people. So really, you might say, this is the place of God's dwelling, the Shiloh. They've assembled and congregated here at this place. But verse 2 gives us the problem. Here's the problem in verse 2. There remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. Though all the land was given by God as their inheritance, these seven tribes, they were expected to take hold, take possession of the land, not just conquer it by war, which is kind of what we, we've already been through, all those wars and going here and there, not just conquer it, but dwell in it, remain in it, be fruitful in that place. Five tribes already, Reuben, Gad, Judah, Ephraim, Manasseh, they've all received this inheritance, but these seven... These seven remain, and they they seemingly are procrastinating from the call to possess the land. And Joshua, as the leader, calls them out on this. And this is what he says in verse 3. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, How long will you put off going in to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? If you're reading it in the King James, I think it says, how long are ye slack to go to possess the land? Slackers. They've been slacking off, putting it off, as the ESV says. Fooling around, kind of dilly-dallying, kind of being lazy, wasting time. They're, They're not getting to the plan that was established. It seems here they're perfectly content to remain in their tents. It's pretty good here. We'll go, travel, wherever. We're in relative comfort. Seems that was where they were at. Rather than facing the enemy, yes, but in order to truly inherit the land. So get this. They were content where they were, but they do not realize, at least seemingly right here, they don't realize the gift of the inheritance God has given them. Okay, so think of that. They're in their tents. This is their place. Joshua's saying, how long? It's like they're just living there, and they've not 
taken that step and they don't realize what they have. I want you to consider a sermon written by, or I guess given by, Charles Spurgeon back in 1889. And he's giving it in relation to Israel coming out of Egypt and entering this promised land, crossing the Jordan. So it's not a sermon based right on this passage, but I think it just fits in wonderfully to us. I'm going to read a couple times from it. I, I toyed with just it's eight pages long. Just Let's just read his sermon. But I'm not. I'm, I'm pulling it. Um, but I have put it on Facebook. If you look on our page, you can go right to the link. You can get the whole sermon. I would encourage you to read this and be edified, be encouraged. Here's some of what he says, and he talks about Israel again entering this promised land. And, and then he's kind of asking, how does this relate to the Christian? So listen carefully here. He, here's a question he begins with. Why are we naked and poor and miserable when we are heirs of a kingdom by reason of our adoption of the Lord? I'll read that again and then I'll go on, okay? He asks, why are we naked and poor and miserable when we are heirs of a kingdom by reason of our adoption of the Lord. Here's what he goes on to say of the promised land. Okay, this place where Israel is at. The country into which Israel entered was of a very choice kind. Travelers in Palestine tell us that it is the world condensed. Within that narrow strip of territory, you get plains and hills, frosts of winter and heats of summer. You find products both of semi-tropical and temperate zones. Palestine is the whole earth in miniature, and all the advantages of all lands are gathered into it. It was in Joshua's days a place of extreme fertility, a land that flows with milk and honey. Nor was this all. While it was fertile on the surface, it was rich underneath. It was a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you may dig brass. The useful metals were near at hand, as was every other convenience. Besides being fertile and wealthy, it was prepared for immediate habitation. The tribes had not to build houses. They inhabited what others had built. They had not to plant vineyards, but to eat the fruit of former labors. All things were waiting for the true heirs of the land. And now he says to the Christian, okay, do you, do, you, do you get that word picture? This is a wonderful place. This land of Israel, look at it. You know, if he could talk to these people waiting around, you're missing out. This is your land. And he says this to the Christian, beloved, think of us now. When faith gets her heritage in Christ, she is brought into a wealthy place. When sin is driven out and we come to live in God's own land, then we find precious treasure. We dig and we are enriched. We have all things in Christ. Yes, in Him we have all that our utmost want can require. As He has gone into heaven to prepare a place for us, so on earth He has already prepared in the covenant of grace everything that is needed for the way home. Why do we not take possession of that which he has prepared for us? Spurgeon here in this sermon, he's challenging the believer who is saved, yes, 
Yes, salvation, but who only gets that far and does not go further of the joys of all we have in Christ. Who does not pursue holiness and pursue God further. I thought of a couple illustrations of this that would kind of make us go, yeah, that, maybe this will help make sense. If you think of Thanksgiving that's coming up, it's not that far away, it's coming once you think of a, of a table at Thanksgiving, a 60-foot-long table of feasting with whatever your favorite Thanksgiving. If you don't like turkey, don't put turkey on the table. Just put your favorite thing, a feast of your foods, lined down this table, of all the best of whatever, this lined table of goods. And on Thanksgiving, you look at that table, and you walk, and you head to the freezer, and you pull out one of those banquet turkey dinners it's frozen it's can you feel how cold that thing is and maybe you love those maybe that's your feast okay but take the illustration you pull it out you put it in the microwave and you eat this tv dinner and there is a feast that you're missing okay maybe food's not your thing think of one more think of a water park we love water parks our family does Wisconsin Dells, a lot of good ones there. Other places, I don't know where y'all go. Think of a water park. All that fun is there. Think of somebody that has given you a lifetime season pass. You can go anytime you want. It's free. They'll even provide a bus maybe to come pick you up. It's free. You can go to that water park any day. All the rides, the steep ones, the, the spinning ones, the ones that send you down. You just love the, the, the wave pool, all those things. You love it. And you get to the parking lot, and you picked up along the way. You went to Dollar General, and you got a $5 kiddie pool. And you set it up in the parking lot with a hose, and you fill it with water. And you step into that pool, and you go, oh, here's my pool. And before you, in the parking lot, sits this water park. I think that's the idea of us. We have a wonderful salvation. Don't hear I'm putting down or saying our salvation is nothing. It's wonderful to be saved by the Lord. But there is so much more. That's what Spurgeon is getting at here. Dear brother and sister in Christ, we can trust, we can trust God's descriptions. These guys are making descriptions. We can trust his of the beautiful land of what we have in Christ. And there we find we have so much more than simply being saved from the flames of hell. There's so much more. Being saved from hell is a wonderful truth. But let us not stop there, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. I'm not going to read them, but verses 4 then, really through 10, back in our text Joshua leads again, and in these verses, we're given sort of a repetitive call to these seven tribes. It seems like they're willing to get up now, and here's some elements, and maybe these are elements for us to glean from. I'm not going in depth. We say, yeah, okay, I want to get out of the kiddie pool. I don't want that TV dinner. Yeah, feast, what? what? He says there's a couple just repetitive elements through this. One is to go, go, go into the land. The, the call, gather three men from each tribe, set out, and, and do what? What do you do when you go? He says, write a description. We've been, 
We've been given a description. It's written for us of what we have. They were to write it down. Go this way, that way. Tell us what's there. Figure out the, the, what the inheritance is, the portions. And then return. Come back to Joshua. Bring the report to him. All for the purpose. Joshua then, here in this setting, he's going to cast the lot to say, here's which tribe goes where, these last seven tribes. Here's where you're going to go. And that's what they did. And then verse 10, let's look at verse 10. Here's the summary. And Joshua, so they did all these things, and Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua apportioned the land to the people of Israel to each his, his portion. All right, and if you're looking, now we get to verse 11, all the way through chapter 19, verse 48 of this inheritance. This divided up land, we're really reading, here's what these seven tribes were to possess. And I think what we're going to read through all this description here is what these three men from each tribe have gone out to do. They've described the place. We're reading, I think, what they found out. Now, as we've done before when we prepare for longer passages, let me prepare your heart to read this. It's going to take, I think, around 10 minutes to read this. Maybe shorter. We'll see. There are a multitude of places unfamiliar. I'm going to try to click through them as we go. There's our first one. Okay, we're at Benjamin. Great. It's working. Okay. We're going to look through these places. You can have it up here or follow through in your scripture. But again, as I've said before, while we read and your mind wanders and comes back to us, just try to say, Lord, help me to think through this. I want you to think of God while we read this. Think of his gracious gift. No, don't think of all the places that are, I don't know where those are. Think of these each as on and on and on of his gracious gift of this inheritance in all these places. And as you think, and it gets long, and you think this list is long, think how much longer is the list and description of what we infinitely have in Christ. So when you say this is long, what is our blessed inheritance in Christ? It's longer than this. It's a beautiful inheritance. So are you ready? Am I ready? Here we go. Here's Benjamin. We're going to start at verse 11, and we'll read through 1948. The lot of the tribe of the people of Benjamin, according to its clans, came up, And the territory allotted to it fell between the people of Judah and the people of Joseph. On the north side, their boundary began at the Jordan. Then the boundary goes up to the shoulder north of Jericho, then up through the hill country westward, and it ends at the wilderness of Beth-Avon. From there, the boundary passes along southward in the direction of Luz to the shoulder of Luz, that is Bethel. Then the boundary goes down to Arat Adar on the mountain that lies south of lower Beth-Haran. Then the boundary goes in another direction, turning on the western side, southward from the mountain that lies to the south, opposite Beth Haran, and it ends at Kiryat Baal, that is Kiryat Jerem, a city belonging to the people of Judah. This forms the western side, and the southern side begins at the outskirts of Kiryat Jerem, and the boundary goes from there to Ephron, to the spring of the waters of Nephtoah. Then the boundary goes down to the border of the mountain that overlooks the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is at the north end of the valley of Rephraim. 
And it then goes down the valley of Hinnom, south of the shoulder of the Jebusites. Think Jerusalem here. We're, okay, we're familiar there, maybe. And downward to Enrogel. Then it bends in a northerly direction, going on to En Shemesh. And from there goes to Gelilot, which is opposite the ascent of Adumim. Then it goes down to the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben. And passing on to the north of the shoulder of Beth Arabah, it goes down to the Arabah. Then the boundary passes on to the north of the shoulder of Beth Chagla, and the boundary ends at the northern bay of the Salt Sea at the south end of the Jordan. This is the southern border. The Jordan forms its boundary on the eastern side. This is the inheritance of the people of Benjamin according to their clans, boundary by boundary all around. Now the cities of the tribe of the people of Benjamin according to their clans were Jericho, Beth Chagla, Emekkezis, Beth Araba, Zemarim, Bethel, Avim, Para, Ophra, Kefer, Ammonai, Afni, Geba, twelve cities with their villages. Gibeon, Ramah, Berat, Mizpah, uh, Kephriah, Mazah, Rechem, Irpeel, Taralah, Zelah, Ha'alaf, Jebus, that is Jerusalem, Gibeah, and Kiryat Jerim. Fourteen cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the people of Benjamin according to its clans. The second lot came out for Simeon, for the tribe of the people of Simeon according to their clans, and their inheritance was in the midst of the inheritance of the people of Judah. And they had for their inheritance Beersheba, Sheba, Moladah, Hazar Shual, Bala, Ezem, Eltolad, Bethul, Hormah, Ziklag, Bet Markabat, Hazar Susa, Bet Labaoth, and Sharohan. Uh, Thirteen cities with their villages. Ayin, Rimon, Ether, and Ashan, four cities with their villages, together with all the villages around these cities, as far as Baalath, Be'er, Ramah of the Negev. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Simeon, according to their clans. The inheritance of the people of Simeon formed part of the territory of the people of Judah. Because the portion of the people of Judah was too large for them, the people of Simeon obtained an inheritance in the midst of their inheritance. And you can see that up here. All right. We're moving now north. North, kind of Sea of Galilee to Zebulun. The third lot came up for the people of Zebulun, according to their clans, and the territory of their inheritance reached as far as Sarid. Then their boundary goes up westward and onto Marial and touches Da Bashath, then the brook that is east of uh, Jachniam. From Sarid, it goes in the other direction, eastward toward the sunrise to the boundary of Kisla, Tabor. From there, it goes to Dabarat, then up to Japhia. From there, it passes along on the east toward the sunrise to Gat-Hefar, to Eth-Kazin, and going on to Rimon, it bends towards Ni'ah. Then, on the north, the boundary turns about to Han-Nathan, and it ends at the valley of Iftahel, and Kat-Tath, Nahalal, Shimron, Idalah, and Bethlehem, twelve cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the people of Zebulon, According to their clans, these cities with their villages. And I believe that Bethlehem there is a... That's, we're not thinking Christmas story Bethlehem. It's a different one. Repeated places here. Different places. All right. Next. There we are. Issachar. 
The fourth lot came out for Issachar, for the people of Issachar, according to their clans. Their territory included Jezreel, Keselot, Shunem, Hafarim, Shihan, uh, Anaharat, Rabit, Kishion, Ebez, Remet, En-Ganim, En-Hada, Bet-Pazez. The boundary also touches Tabor, Shahazumah, and Beth-Shemesh, and its boundary ends at the Jordan, 16 villages with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Issachar, according to their clans, the cities with their villages. The fifth lot came out for the tribe of the people of Ashur, according to their clans. Their territory included Helkath, Hali, Beten, Akshaf, Allamalak, Amad, and Mishal. On the west, it touches Carmel and Shihor Libnat. Then it turns eastward. It goes to Bet Dagon and touches Zebulun and the valley of Iftahel, northward to Bet Amek and Ne'el. Then it continues in the north to Kabul, Ebron, Rehob, Haman, Kana, as far as Sidon, the great. Then the boundary turns to Ramat, reaching to the fortified city of Tyre. Then the boundary turns to Hosa, and it ends at the sea, Mahalab, Aksib, Unma, Afek, and Rehob, 22 cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Asher, according to their clans, these cities with their villages. Now, Naphtali, the sixth lot came out for the people of Naphtali, for the people of Naphtali, according to their clans, and their boundary ran from Helef, from the oak in Za'anim, and Adamai Nekeb, and Jabniel, as far as Lakum, and it ended at the Jordan. Then the boundary turns westward to Aznat Tabor, and goes from there to Chakak, touching Zebulun at the south, and Asher on the west, and Judah on the east at the Jordan. The fortified cities are Zidim, Zer, Hamat, Rakat, Kinneret, Adama, Rama, Hazor, Kadesh, Edri, Enhazor, Yiran, Migdal El, Horem, Betanat, and Beth Shemesh. Nineteen cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Naphtali, according to their clans, the cities with their villages. And lastly, Dan. Now as I read, we see Dan here. And there's also Dan way up there. Verse 40. The seventh lot came out for the tribe of the people of Dan, according to their clans. And the territory of its inheritance included Zorah, Eshtaal, Irshemesh, Sha'alabin, Aishalan, Ithla, Elan, Timnah, Ekron, Eltika, Gibethon, Baalat, Jehud, Benabarak, Gat Riman, and Mejarkon and Rakan with the territory over against Joppa. When the territory of the people of Dan was lost to them, the people of Dan went up and fought against Lashem. And after capturing it and striking it with a sword, they took possession of it and settled in it, calling Lashem Dan after the name of Dan, their ancestor. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Dan, according to their clans, these cities with their villages. I say this partly because I'm thinking of the, the, and we read through this, that idea of the court, we read into the record. I want the record of our going through the Bible. I want us to have heard all the scriptures, not just to uh, try to bore you with names or try to pronounce all these names. That's not the goal. 
This is all of God's word, and this is all of inheritances of these different people. Now, I've put a link in your bulletin at the bottom where it says dinner table questions. Maybe you're using those with your family or your spouse at the table, but there's a link there at the bottom on one of those, Open Bible. You can go to this link. I think it's openbible.org, something slash geo. You can look up any passage of Scripture, click on it, and it'll take you to a Google map of all these cities laid out. So you can go, you can look at this whole list and see them all there. And it's pretty fascinating. It's pretty neat. All right. Well, we're close to the end of the chapter then. So let's look at verse 49 through 50. When they had finished, when they had finished distributing the several territories of the land as inheritances, the people of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua, the son of Nun. By command of the Lord, they gave him the city that he asked, Timnath-Serah, in the hill country of Ephraim. And he rebuilt the city and settled in it. After all the places, town after town and the boundaries, lastly, the leader Joshua, verse 49, he gets his inheritance. Timnath-Serah. That's something Joshua. Here we've talked about Joshua and then Jesus, the, the greater Joshua. Just like Jesus, Joshua here does not come to be served, so it would seem, but serves all, casts the lots, gets their inheritance, and then he's last. You've been listening to, get to Bethany his. Radio, and production so of Bethany to Bible Church Jesus, in Leroy, serves Minnesota. Us in humility, endured the cross, suffered that we might live with him, that we might have this inheritance we're thinking about. And then verse 51 summarizes this, really this whole portion here, and then we'll look at chapter 20 next week. But verse 51, these are the inheritances, kind of a summary statement, that Eliezer the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the father's houses of the tribes of the people of Israel distributed by lot at Shiloh before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, so they finished dividing the land. And so the land is divided. It's distributed by lot distributed according to the will of God here at Shiloh. Each tribe has its own allotment, its own place, and yet they all make up the people of God. And I think there's similar thoughts in we as a church. 1 Corinthians 12 speaks of believers having a variety of gifts, of service, of activities, but the same spirit, the same God who empowers them all. And not all of our present land looks the same. We've been talking about this, I think, last week. This place, this lot that God has placed you where that is to be content and to trust Him in. And yet verse 11 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions (laughs) to each one individually as He wills. For just as the body is one, the body of Christ, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So each of us have our place, if you will. And yet we gather together, we congregate, because we're united in an inheritance in Christ. The call today, if you are a believer in Christ, is to possess what you've already been given. And what we have from the Lord is immense and great. I've got one more quote from Spurgeon. may look small to you, but it's up there. If you want to follow along, if that helps you, let me read this. He says, 
this again. Many people are saved in one sense, but in another sense they are seeking salvation. Oh, that we may come to be saved in every sense. May salvation be ours in the broadest, widest, deepest, highest meaning of that blessed word. May we not only be saved from. Just hear what he's saying. He's not downplaying salvation. He's opening. He's trying to say, look. So he says, may we not only be saved from, but saved to. Saved from sin, that makes us safe. Saved to holiness, that makes us happy. May we realize our completeness in Christ this day and cease from the wanderings of fear. It is time that we took possession of that goodly heritage which the Lord has made our own. For in Christ Jesus we have obtained an inheritance and have the earnest of it in our possession of the Spirit of God who where dwells within us. How long will you put off or be slack in possessing your inheritance? How long will we be content with TV dinners and kiddie pools when the feast of the Lord is before us? One more passage from Galatians 4, 3 through 7. Just to bring us into the New Testament, what does the New Testament say to this? Listen to this passage. You know, you've probably heard before, in light, think of all of what you have in Christ says this, in the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The question is, do you believe it? Sons of God? His spirit? We're not not dwelling in Shiloh, dwelling in us. The question becomes, why do we worry? And we all do. Why do we fret? Why are we downcast? Put your hope in God who has redeemed you to a beautiful, infinite inheritance in Christ. Let me pray. Father, I feel like we've just nudged the tip of an iceberg that goes deep and wide. Oh, Father, may this be, maybe it's a continuance for us in Christ. There's a continually growing in Christ that you work on our hearts. You keep us. You direct us. You bring us to passages like this and even sermons of old from the 1800s that encourage us back to you again. Lord, lead us along. Lord, may we not go back to TV dinners, so to speak. May we mature in our faith and find happiness in living a life holy to you, surrendered, that is, even as suffering comes our way, we're thankful because it brings us to our knees and close to you. And help us, Lord, really to believe what we already have in Christ. We pray in your name. Amen.